Hello and welcome to the WTF1 podcast Canadian Grand Prix review. We are here finally. We are. So obviously I'm not Matty. Again, I think Matty was so upset with the result that uh, he's been sick all week. So I'm here. Pretty badly. Pretty, yeah, it's been pretty gruesome yeah. from what we've what we've heard. So get well soon, Matty. But, um, and I know you guys have been eagerly awaiting this podcast. We've been getting tweet after tweet saying, when's it coming? When's it coming? But seeing as the race was so controversial, um, we thought it was actually a good time to kind of maybe breathe, take it all in, calm down a little bit. Um, it's not happened. And also bring on board a special guest who was actually in Montreal when it all kicked off. When you said special guest, I was like, so you failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. You were like our number two, three, fourth try. Oh, wow. But um, anyway, alongside, alongside Tommy. Hi, Tommy. Hello. We are joined by F1 journalist and broadcaster for Racer Mag and F1, but most importantly, star of the Netflix F1 documentary, Drive to Survive. We have Chris Medland here joining us today. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah. I was waiting for applause then. You built up really nicely. I know, there. right? That was, really that was one hell of a title. Just add the effect. I know, yeah. It's, it's just Tommy and Chris Medland. Uh, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Well, I always think like if we have somebody extra special on, like they need a full, a full title. full-blown intro. Yeah. I'm going to ruin all of this intro now, you know. Okay. Like, extra special and I'm going to talk absolute rubbish. Okay, great. Cool. It's going to be completely worth worth yeah, it. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Bro. Okay. Mm. Finally. Yeah. Great. So I think Tommy, you had a you had a question for Chris right off the bat, didn't you? Yeah. So uh, you mentioned about the Netflix documentary. I just wanted to know. Obviously, a lot of our audience will definitely recognise you from it. Uh, how did that come about, and what was it like being involved in that? That's an actual question. I an thought you were just going to give me stick. No, no, no. Um, they asked in Melbourne. I think it was James Allen just sort of went around saying they'd asked for a few different people and just asked for a few of us to talk. And it was me and Michael Schmidt. Do you know Michael Schmidt, uh-huh. the German journalist? Um, started having to chat in the paddock and they'd record it. And then I think they thought, realistically, it was going to be hard to edit together. So when they got later in the year, they just said, can you come in and answer some questions that will fill gaps in between? So, yeah, just kind of right place, right time. It was cool. It was yeah. really cool to do. Um, they were pretty good as well at not telling you what to say. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, it's all scripted. It's like, no, no, they just really? come and ask your opinion. Yeah, they wanted to know. I mean, there's obviously loads that they didn't use, but yeah, 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 yeah. they just yeah. they just wanted to know, you know, what do you think of this or explain that and where you went. Were cool. there any bits where you were like, damn, I said a really good bit there and they cut that out? No, there were a few times where you were giving a really good answer and you feel like a, an F1 driver almost, where it's like, you know, someone's asked you a question, you're like giving a really nice, clear answer. And then at the end, you just absolutely ruin it by not finishing the answer and you have to redo it and you know it's not gonna be as good so it's a little little bit like hosting a podcast I always feel like I'm gonna mess this up so bear with me guys it's fine probably gonna trip over about a million words but um oh yeah great to have you and again we just thought because you were there um, you were there man you were there man (laughs) yeah you don't know you you can provide some pretty interesting well I'm hoping it's gonna be interesting it could be completely boring but um just just for everybody at home who was was watching on the television um, raging raging probably um or raging at the people that were raging because there was a lot of that going on on Twitter as well all the rage um yeah I think it's gonna be some interesting insight so I think we just have to get straight into it it was I was going to say kind of setting the scene um, pretty surprisingly for Canada from my perspective. Sunday actually opened up with all the makings of a pretty epic race. You know, we had uh, it was we all knew it was going to be Ferrari's best shot at a race win since Bahrain. 
Um, they came through with Vettel getting pole, um, Ricardo delivering Renault's best result since I was since Robert Kubica took third in Suzuka in 2010. Good, good memory. Uh, didn't yeah, even did, have to look down for that. Uh, no, no, not at all. Definitely <laughs> I didn't, don't I have didn't a bunch of that, notes so. in front of me. But yeah, but, and, and uh, obviously Lewis crashed out in FP2, had some hydraulics problems on the grid, had the problem getting away on the formation lap. It was, it was, yeah. it was kind of like building itself up to be like, something's going to happen here that's not, not usual. But I think it, a lot of people were hyped for the race because you did have that mixed up grid. Yeah. You had Verstappen at the back. Renault's in the mix. I mean, who would have thought a Renault would be ahead of a Mercedes on the grid? Yeah, no, crazy. No idea where that luck came from either. Yeah, like just suddenly appeared in fourth. You're like, something's gone wrong here. And what what I really loved as well was how uh, Cyril and Daniel basically just did like a victory parade lap through the entire paddock, speaking to all the media, and it was as if they'd won already like it was so funny watching them kind of he was like it was almost like Daniel was Cyril's pet and he was like come on now or or like a favorite child and just kind of speaking to one of them look how brilliant and amazing he is at what he's done I think they really needed that didn't they yeah it'd been a long time coming it was just like right just take the opportunity especially because if it doesn't really go well in France that's going to be really a lot of heat on so it's like yeah we'll, we'll use this right now well yeah we might touch on that a little bit later but so anyway it's it and also the other thing was that it was exceptionally hot wasn't it for for the Canadian Grand Prix so everyone was kind of a bit worried about um brake temperatures tire temperatures and obviously with Canada being a usual one-stopper maybe that was gonna spice things up a bit if people were gonna come into problems or have to to run differently than they were planning. Yeah, I mean, Pirelli always give out their sort of preview that says, oh, this is the, the best strategies for the race. And they were like, the best one is a one-stop. And they're like, the next best one is a one-stop stuck on a different tyre. And then they were like, much slower is a two-stop. You're like, great. So that's a, a lot of variety that's coming out of that. Absolutely. Yeah, when I thought the race was going to be boring, I was very much preparing for the whole speech about 2010 Canadian Grand Prix. It was meant to be the race where, you know, everything happened for Pirelli, where they said, you know, make the tyres like this. Let's have a multi-stop race. Yeah, four stops, wasn't it? And, and again, it was a easy one-stop. So, not great. No. no, but then the drivers say, "I'll oh, give us harder tyres so we can push. And then you give them harder tyres and go, oh, we can't push enough or we have to still look after them. It just can never keep It never happy. seems to work, no, does it? There's, there's just no. no way of doing it. Absolutely not. So anyway, the race gets underway and it all looks kind of, you know, pretty good. And then Lewis starts closing the gap to Vettel. And we're like, yes, everyone's kind of like, here it's we, happening. Here we go, we're going to get a proper race on our hand. And then... I, I don't know if anyone else has this same feeling, though. I actually said it in the media centre, was when does Seb make his mistake? Yeah. Because it just felt like at some point he'd make an error and Lewis would be passed and that'd be it. And we'd all be talking about how it could have been a great race, but it didn't end up being one. Well, because he did. He made a slight error, didn't he? I can't remember if he was in the same place, but he made an error where he got, he got a bit of a whopper on. And I think I think it was Channel Four coverage, so it might have been David Coulthard actually said like, "Oh, he's going to have to watch it because Lewis is after him, and another mistake, and he might not hold on to the position." And lo and behold, we get another mistake. So obviously, I'm sure everybody has seen this image over and over and over and over again. The video again and again and again. I, and again. I missed it. What happened? <laughs> so Vettel uh, runs wide, like locks up, runs wide, goes over the curbs. And then, and then squeezes, squeezes Lewis into the wall. Ooh, oh, naughty. Sounds yeah. controversial. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. does, doesn't it? Wish I'd, wish I'd been paying attention. Yeah, I know, right? No, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been good to talk about for a week, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's so controversial. In fact, when we asked for our fan three-word race reviews, 
um, they were pretty definitive in what they thought about the incident. So um, at it's me underscore M dot B says, what a joke. At Brewster141 says, robbed from Vettel. And Sven, at Sven Colson actually goes as far to say, FIA kills F1. Um, and when we did an Instagram poll, it came out that 85% of our Instagram followers that took part thought that it wasn't a penalty, which I think from what we've seen seems to be the general mood. But um, we're about to grab the popcorn and find out what Chris's three-word phrase review is, which is Chris. Uh, Vettel robbed himself. Spicy. Care to explain? Well, because... Yes, I agree that the way the rules are written, and I'm sure we'll go into it in more depth, but that it's not nice that that was a penalty. That's not what anyone wants to see. But we don't have this issue at all if he keeps it on the track. If he doesn't crack under pressure from Hamilton, if he just drives basically how you'd expect Lewis to, calmly just picks his spots. I mean, that's not an overtaking spot. That's not a place where in the exit of it either that you'd expect to come under pressure. So you don't need to be pushing hard into that part of the track. Uh, And for him to make a mistake was... Almost, yeah, kind of sadly predictable the way Seb's been over the last sort of 17, 18 races. So we've kind of touched on it in previous podcasts, but from what we've heard, it's been a case of Vettel doesn't feel comfortable in the car, like the car has enough grip. Um, So do you think that might have come into play or do you think that was just him cracking under the pressure of Lewis? I think that one was him cracking under the pressure of Lewis. I think that was... Because for most of the weekend, he was really strong. Like yeah. The pole lap was very good. And that came when Lewis had gone and stuck it on pole. So it was, it was hard for him to fight back from that. But he'd, he'd had enough time to get comfortable with where Lewis was strong, when Lewis was pushing, when Lewis wasn't. I mean, we were a long way into the race at this stage. And I think it was just the fact that Lewis had come again and got within DRS again. Every time Lewis got within a second, you realised, yeah, Seb's not comfortable here. But he didn't need to go beyond the limit because it's so hard to pass. And every time Lewis did get close, he did have to drop back because things overheat. Yeah. And, and Seb would know that. He's raced in Formula 1 enough times. So, uh, yeah, it was just kind of, I don't know, just so disappointing. You're just kind of willing him to just pull it all together and, and keep it clean. And, and when he didn't, it was yeah almost predictable. But, um, yeah, I just, I just didn't see... I mean, there's never the need for a mistake, but it definitely didn't seem like a time or a place where there was a need for it either. No, definitely I will, not. I will say that, I mean, Hamilton did make a mistake as well, didn't he, at the oh. hairpin when that was arguably one of his best chances to get by. He was within DRS. And I think it pretty much sums... You know, you make your own luck in F1, but it pretty much sums up Vettel's luck that, again, he's made arguably a small-ish mistake... It's, it's a big one. It again, it had big consequences. It was a small mistake. Like they both had a moment, and Vettel's essentially has blown up into this massive things. Whereas Hamilton made a mistake, and it was like, oh, he's just run a bit wide. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he made it two or three times. Mm. He kept making it into that corner because he was trying to get close and put yeah. the pressure on. But I think it's also there. That's a corner where you'll get away from it. With it, yeah, yeah. you can go a bit deep and you can run a little bit wide. And okay, it costs you for that next straight, but you're still going to be close enough to pick up a slipstream and, and pull it back. Whereas that's the thing I don't get. If Seb had made a mistake there, then maybe you could see, okay, he's trying to sort of break the toe a little bit or it's a place he thinks is crucial. But turn three isn't crucial. When, you know, you're not under pressure there. It, yeah. it, just, it was a strange place for it to happen. And, um, not seen many cars go off there from what I can remember. Well, this weekend, I don't think anyone did. So, yeah, it was just, it was just a really odd one. And, um, and I think it, uh, there was traffic in front of them, I think, they were coming up to. Yeah, That maybe was, yeah. distracted him a little, but... 
Yeah, it just, it just seems to be that Lewis is in his head. He knows, as you say, like making your own luck, he knows that Lewis just seems to take every opportunity and, and Seb himself hasn't for a long time now. There was, a, there was an interesting comment, and I forget who said this, so apologies, but um, that it was, um, do you think that Lewis fully knew what he was doing and kind of positioned the car to make it look more like a bigger deal than, than it actually was I think it wasn't it Villeneuve actually. I think it was Villeneuve. Oh, came Vill- out. Villeneuve had his usual hot take. That was of, it. Uh, yeah, it something was, a he, bit controversial. He basically said that yes, Vettel made the mistake, but actually Lewis could have positioned his car differently, that it wouldn't have looked as bigger um, of a of an issue to the to the stewards. Maybe, I, I, like, I, but that's yeah. well within Lewis's right. Yeah, exactly. Like, to go and stick it there. And, yeah, and I feel bad for almost slightly agreeing with that because yeah. one thing I did write down is that it kind of takes two to tango, if you like. Hamilton's going into a gap that was always going to close. Yeah. And, you know, he gets on the radio and mentions it's dangerous, but you could just always go for a gap. And then if they close the door, go, oh, he's closed the door. Yeah, you know well, I mean? Lewis so, did it to uh, Daniel, didn't he, in 2016 in Monaco? So yeah, that's that, we so, got yeah. sent that a million times, yeah. which I feel like it's probably worth mentioning. Yeah, at, at, some point. at Twisted Seven Five Five says uh, swap the roles round and take Lewis versus Ricardo Monaco 2016. Why was that not penalised as opposed to this when there were such similar instances? Do we think one little part of it was the fact that in Monaco you can't basically run someone out of road because the road ends at the wall (laughs) whereas Lewis was technically forced off track because all four wheels had to go beyond the white line on the exit even though there's only just space for a car car, but they they technically said that was one of the reasons it was like a two-part penalty uh, and unsafely rejoining and I guess they felt that Lewis had already rejoined safely in Monaco and then done that blocking move but it, it's it's a strange one because I think Monaco you just get away with more. Yeah, because because uh, we we were talking about how Monaco this year um, after that uh, the the incident where kind of Max ran Lewis off the road and Lewis rejoined again and squeezed Max massively again. I guess the the similar thing is that it's not a natural line into natural, the corner no, that he's going into, but but he technically did squeeze him and it wasn't even investigated. It was just like racing off you go. I think half of the reaction in Monaco is, oh, it's so hard to overtake anyway that any incident that someone didn't get past in, they're like, yeah, it's because it's really hard to overtake here. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, I think they were thinking, well, if space had been left, he was definitely easily by. And yeah. that's why they looked at it. But I don't know. It's, um, it's just one of those situations where also if you've got, you might have the same driver steward, but you might have other different stewards in there. Yeah. The regulations were different then. They're actually told now to be more lenient and let them race more. That's yeah. what I thought. But, that's why I'm really confused why this was given because... I thought we were getting to that stage where people could race. And, you know, for me, I'm still very annoyed that it was a penalty. I know the, um, it's almost now people have cooled down because let's be honest, we all didn't want it to be a penalty because it robbed us of an amazing race. Mm. And I thought in, you know, three, four days time, I might think, oh, it's not a penalty. But what I've seen now is people saying that is just, that's the rules, unfortunately. It is a penalty, but I think it's ridiculous that that is a penalty personally because every single driver on Twitter and or every single pundit that, that was an ex-driver said there's absolutely nothing Seb could have done, done there. Yes, he made a mistake and he should be punished for that, but if that was runoff, he'd have just gone straight on and kept the position and you go, don't do that again or you'll get a penalty. 
So he was kind of penalised anyway because all he's thinking about is catching his car. And you could could argue that Lewis, if he knew how that outcome was going to be, and if he could have been aware that maybe there wouldn't be a penalty, he may well have just timed it later that he'd have made the move into a turn, what would have been five or six, mm-hmm. because if, that, if that's going to be your one shot, you're thinking, how do I take advantage of it? So there's still different ways. I mean, in a sense, just because Vettel made the mistake didn't mean Lewis had to end up ahead of him. No. You know, it, yeah. it can be that the driver makes a mistake and still recovers Absolutely. and stays in front. Yeah. So. That's what I mean. For me, it, it is literally the definition of a racing incident because... But- He's gone off and it's I'm, an I feel incident. like we need to move that glass from you because you can get more, more angry as this goes off. I know. So I don't think we've not, you've kind of skirted around this, Chris, being a, being a journo and everything. But yeah, what, was it what do, you, do you think it was a penalty? It, it was given, so yeah, it was. No, now, um, but do you agree uh, No, I felt when, when they were making, when they were looking at the decision, I was getting more and more worried that they were going to give it because it was taking a long time and I thought that basically don't do it. When <laughs> you do, do it. yeah, exactly, because it was going to ruin the race and it yeah, did. Yeah. And, um, but then when you do look at the regulations and, and what it was given for and what the stewards have to work with, it's actually hard to go back to them and say, you're wrong for this reason. But if they've been told to leave things alone and let drivers race more, that is their get-out clause, I'd yeah. say. So I, th- I felt like that's why they were wrong, that they could easily have turned around and gone, yeah, yeah, they said it was close, it was borderline, it definitely needed looking at, 100%, because I think that there's a few people described it as 60-40 either way. Yeah. I think you can look at it like that. There's no way that Vettel's blameless. No. and. Also, I think Vettel was quite happy that he ended up where he ended up to stop Lewis coming by. But yeah, I, I, I just felt it shouldn't have been a penalty. They should have been allowed to race race on. And um, and as you say, I mean, if Lewis had made the same mistake from behind and, and rejoined in front of a back marker or someone like that, they never would have penalised him for rejoining yeah. unsafely. So it's just, just because just it's feel like the kind of thing that happens in the midfield maybe two or three times every season and there's no investigation, but because it is such a controversial and pivotal and pivotal moment in deciding a race win they you have almost have to, to investigate they have it to look at at least look at it well you look at was it Grosjean complaining at the Perez pass oh, uh, and now oh, you see I thought you know strong pass I got stick because we did on Twitter some karting joke in Bahrain where I got basically the same thing done to me and uh, just to annoy someone we put it up and said yeah decide on this I got like smashed out the way uh, and then this incident happens it's exactly the same and I was like yep yeah, fine absolutely fine but in that, Grosjean complains because there was contact mm-hmm. and you could say, well, then Perez wasn't in full control of the move if he had to touch the other car to make the move. Didn't even look at it, did they? No. I think they noted it and said no, no investigation. Yeah, no investigation so, needed. Happens a lot in the midfield, I find. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And that's, yeah. that's going to probably not make Seb feel any better, is it, to think just because the cameras were on you at that time and it was a really big controversial moment that, that they looked at it, whereas if you're a midfield runner, uh, it doesn't matter. It's given, it's given fuel to the fire of people that think there is some kind of, even though it's absolutely ridiculous to think they're favouring any particular team or driver or anything like that. It's just, like you say, if they'd have used common sense and said, this is where we just allow racing, it would have not given fuel to all these fans that are showing you know, Monaco 2016 and going, oh, why isn't Hamilton getting a penalty? Well, yet? That, that's did. actually very good, Tommy. You've led me on to my three-word race review, which go is better communications needed. And Catchy. Yeah, very, very <laughs> catchy. But it's, it's something that um, we've been talking about for a while, um, and I was lucky enough to be invited to the FIA Steward Seminar at the beginning of the year, and as part of that, we had this big conversation about how can we better communicate the stewarding process to the wider public um, and, and also to kind of look internally at, you know, how are they doing things and how can they improve their processes? And 
so my point is, regardless of how you feel about the penalty, um, it just highlighted that the communication currently is not not good enough. So, and one of our one of our fans at Felix underscore six seventy said, "Why do these stewards, who are a majority are not racing drivers, get to judge situations like Seb's that should require more than just knowledge of a rule book, but real actual real race experience?" and that that in itself just explains completely that nobody really understands who one who the stewards are, two their background, and three what they're actually doing and what they're looking at. So we we were and actually when I I, I was even googling this because obviously I I had an insight and I'd been shown exactly what happens and Chris I'm sure you know you and the rest of the media are very aware of who's doing what how and when, but if you Google the stewarding process and how it works nothing comes yeah. up right so I, I put something quickly together from from what i could find so essentially there are seven key racing officials right five are nominated by the fia so that's the race director a permanent starter who's responsible for lights out um and then three additional stewards one is the chairman of the stewards who is kind of in control of everybody and is deciding what is and what isn't uh, ultimately a penalty and one is an experienced former driver. So for this race, it was Emanuele Piro, yeah. who disgustingly got so much stick from the public. It yeah, was that, that's not cool. Yeah, that was not, not fair. Insanely unfair. Because no one, no one actually knows either in that decision process. Whether he was... Yeah. He might he have could, said he could have been the one that was fighting yeah. for everything for it not to be given. Yes. And then so the remaining two officials are nominated by the National Sporting Authority... Um, of the country hosting the Grand Prix. So they're two representatives from the country, um, but the, and they, they form something called the clerk of the course, who is mainly an operational person, and then one additional steward who could be anything. But every single one of them has to hold an FIA super license. So it's not like they don't know what they're doing. And so I went to that same seminar you went to the year before, and what I did find interesting as well, of course, they have to go through every level and yeah. work their way up to, to get to that point. So yeah. it's, it's not someone who you, you can't just sort of prove that you know the rule book, rule book really well and have looked at other decisions and agree with them or anything like that. You have to do it and get the experience to be allowed to, to sit in those seats. Um, and one thing that's clearly uh, changed in terms of uh, explaining decisions this year, though, is, is losing Charlie Whiting. Yeah, because 100%. after races, I think it started last year, maybe the year before, the FIA were very good that they put Charlie up after every race. On the Sunday evening, he'd do a, a press conference normally in uh, the main press conference rooms. So he'd get a lot of people in there, sometimes even in his own office. But he would explain decisions to the best of his ability, even though he wasn't one of the stewards making those decisions. But obviously, he's part of the process and overseeing a lot of it. And sometimes he'd give his own opinion on whether he thought it was right or wrong or what could be done differently. But it meant you did get that explained to you. Yeah. And, and now he's gone, that's actually stopped um, like Marzi hasn't been put up so far, but I think that's because it's still fluid about who will do that job permanently. Uh, and it would be unfair to, to really have had someone in that position having to do it right now. I would not but, have yeah, wanted to be fair. him yeah. on the spot like that with everyone kind of chomping at the bit over why on earth it was allowed to happen. Exactly. And he'd, he'd be having to defend the opinion of other people rather than his own. Exactly. So, so it would have been really harsh. But um, that's one of the bits of transparency that's disappeared a little bit this year uh, and not not through choice so no. that's we can sort of give some slack for that but 
realistically, the whole studying process is one that, that could be explained better. But it's the same, I think, in a lot of sports. You hear like refereeing decisions in football or, I mean, rugby, we get to hear stuff great um, on Mike all the time. But in, in a lot of other sports, you don't get the referee or the official come out afterwards and explain why they made a certain decision. No, but I guess but the, difference, person, the right? difference is, is you can see the referee making the decision. Or you can see him referring to his uh, line officials and going, "Was it or wasn't it?" And yeah. you can see it, you can see them having a discussion and going, "Well, this happened here," and blah blah blah. blah. And it, it, in other sports, it just feels like that whole side of of sporting because regulations are still massively important in sport. You know, without rules, it'd just be mayhem. Um, but it, it, you still get to see. You're right. Rugby is probably one of the best uh, examples where not only do you get to hear what the ref's saying um but you have the tmo uh video um and you can almost see frame by frame exactly what the official's looking at in order to to see if it was a knock-on or a try or whatever and being a part of that process i think really helps people to understand what it is that they're looking at and then the moment at which they they say no try or try yeah because imagine if in rugby, if you didn't get to see any of that and they just go, it's no try, it's try. all the fans are going to be outraged because they go, yeah. why not? And, yeah. still, and you, you don't know, get to see it. People are still going to be outraged with the decision regardless. But I think having that level of understanding would really, really help people. Um, because, I mean, this is something I was going to ask you, but um, in terms of, so, how, so the stewards come to a decision and then from the media's position, then what happens? We see it on the TV screen. Same right. as everyone else. Yeah. Uh, we get an email eventually that explains it as a document, but that's the same one that just gets officially handed out to the teams and, and comes out later than the actual decision appearing. Normally, sometimes you'll find that it's at the exact same time as it appears on TV. You suddenly get an email and everyone's like, ooh. Um, but it doesn't explain a huge amount. No, but- actually, I have, I have the one from, from the weekend. So it essentially just says, fact. Yep. Car five left the track, rejoined unsafely and forced another car off track. Then it says... Decision, five-second time penalty. And then it says, reason. The steward reviewed video evidence and determined that car five left the track at turn three, rejoined the track at turn four in an unsafe manner and forced car 44 off track. Car 44 had to take evasive action to avoid a collision. How is that giving a reason? Apart from, and then apart from listing, according to Article 38.1 of the FIA Formula One sporting regulations, like... Again, but that's, it comes that, up to... That, that's not the reason, is it? That just says that you can actually appeal under that. Yes, I think, yeah. I think that's what yeah, it says. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. And th- that's yeah, that's the little addition. Uh, we we want to point out that anyone can review this under Article whatever. And this is my problem. This is my problem. This is as if a lawyer has just written out a sanction and sent it to everyone and gone. Here's why. This is this is what it is. Sport is not like that. Sport is emotive, passionate, and there's there's real people and real feelings involved. And I just think that that leaving it to this, especially just giving... I mean, this information is needed, right? This information is needed by the media in order to, to write the reports, but it's just not... For the fans, especially at home, it's just not good it's enough. It's massively overregulated as well for me. See, you you saying that, that there's seven people going through rule book after rule book and analysing everything in slow motion, it's something that's happened within one second... Everyone was saying all Vettel's was going through his mind was how to get back on the track. And for me, the, you know, the, the perfect tweet for me is Mario Andretti, 
who tweeted, uh, the function of the stewards is to penalize unsafe moves, not honest mistakes as a result of hard racing. And for me, that that yeah. is perfectly, you know, explains what happened. He was racing hard. He made a mistake. He made an honest mistake. If Vettel had, if Hamilton had come alongside him on the straight and Vettel had turned into him on the wall, yeah. yes, give him a penalty. And I, I think there are obviously plenty of, um, of, examples where that has been the case where you can totally see that a driver has purposefully put themselves in a position where they're either going yeah, to cause a collision or block someone one thing i was actually completely shocked by was i was trying to find old incidents of people ramming each other into the wall and vettel got the same penalty points as kevin magnuson in baku when he nearly pretty much killed gasly by Rubbing putting him into the wall. wall at 220 miles an hour and you go that is really dangerous. Yeah. Vettel's is an honest mistake. He's not thinking, I'm going to ram Hamilton here. No. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's, that's so that point exactly is, it, it, it makes everybody think that this, the stewarding system is inconsistent. I think that's a word that we hear very often. But it is, because they're different stewards each time. They're going to come, and part of it even is, you mentioned that um, explanation. You look at some explanations you get at different races, they'll be huge because yeah. they will literally go through every tiny little detail of why they count something. Yeah. But then I was just, literally just came to me now, the, the incident in um, Spain between um, Stroll and Norris when they collided. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember who the driver's steward was at that one. Um, it'll come to me later. But they were explaining that they just kind of said to them, two young drivers, you weren't fighting for the points. You both could have done better here. Learn from it. You've cost your teams hundreds of thousands of pounds by having a collision and realistically you naughty were, children yeah yeah almost but they were like you you were both willing to have a collision when you shouldn't have been yeah you, you were both felt that you were in the right so therefore you weren't going to back out and you'd rather have the accident and then say well it wasn't my fault and because they were both in that situation it meant they were both partly to blame and that's why there was actually no further action and that's two guys that were taken out of the race so i think when you look at then an incident where you could say that, okay, Hamilton was not willing to have an accident and that's why he backed out. But Vettel hadn't, as you say, put himself in a position saying, I'm willing to have an accident. It was yeah. just the, the kind it of consequence a of, an, of mistake. Yeah. So that's where, if you applied that same logic, again, you'd need those other stewards from Spain to have been applying it in that case. But if you apply that same logic, you might get a different outcome. And that's why you get those inconsistencies. And there's all these rules and all these stewards and seven stewards and all this massive rule book, and it's still inconsistent. It was Danny Sullivan. Sorry, it just came okay. to me. Oh, you there go. Because well, yeah. I saw him at Indianapolis and he explained it all. And I just was like, I can't say, I can't remember his name. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he 100% listens and watches Oh, yeah. of course he does. He's a big Danny. How's it going? Um, so, so I guess my question for you guys is, is there a fix, do you think? Does there even need to be a fix? Or does there just need to be kind of a change in, in format? I think it can be improved. I don't think you'll ever fix it because you'll never, as yeah. you said, sport is like, it's so emotional. People are going to have different opinions. I got the same exact result when I did the poll. 85% said wrong, but 15% still said they felt it was a penalty. Yeah. And, and I've heard other people like give really good arguments or ones that's hard to argue against yeah. uh, in terms of the way the rules are. So you are never going to get everybody agreeing and that's good because otherwise it'd be really boring. Can you imagine this podcast right now yeah. if we didn't have this? We had yeah, nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> it was a penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, the yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Moving on. Uh, but at the same time, that certain things can be learned from it and improved. And, and like you say, maybe it's even just a clause that goes in that says, 
you know, if it's the result of, a, of what the stewards believe to be an honest mistake, because if they've got access to telemetry and they've got as many onboard cameras as they've got, they can probably try and determine that. That's why you have a driver steward, someone who has that mindset to know what's an honest mistake and what's taking advantage of a situation. You add something like that and, and maybe you don't get a repeat. So I think we can tweak and improve it, but there's no obvious, well, you know, you can't remove every rule and say, yeah, just let them have at it because it would be carnage. So we should make Article 38.1 a dash B. I mean, that's tricky, but you look at any sporting regulations. Like we talked about rugby, but yeah. I bet, you know, we don't actually pick out the article number, but I bet every time that there's a TMO decision, they're probably looking at the a press. law of the, yeah, but they must be looking at a law of the game that's numbered and sounds really geeky if you actually said, oh yeah, law 2.431 says, you know, if the ball slips forward, it's a knock-on. Yeah, obviously. But, you know, that's, that's it's going to be categorized yeah. that way. It's just for some reason, therefore, we love to actually pull out the the names because they're in the in the decisions yeah and I think also like having sat in so part of that seminar that um Chris and I have both been to they do like did, were you there for like the mock the mock yeah I did sem- one. Uh, st- you did you were yeah, yeah. a steward yeah it was uh Mark Webber and someone I can't remember where did um, you get abused on social media afterwards oh yeah oh yeah but I get that daily anyway <laughs> that's just just for being me um <laughs> but what I actually found astonishing at that point was that some of them uh, the so you had a group where it's different people from different roles of the FIA that all had to do it anyway to get an understanding. Some of them had no clue how one of these should be written at no. all. I think I was the one with the best idea of it yeah. based on the fact that we've seen so many of them. Yeah. And that, that surprised me, but also shows how that, well, why they put people through a process so that you get to a certain level of consistency, but yeah. that's still, it's never going to be every week in, week out. I think the, 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 the thing that surprised me the most was that it was, it was almost like, it was like a courtroom scenario, but where there are like hundreds of lawyers rather than one or two. Because they would all of a sudden, someone would put their hand up and go, yes, but have we considered this? And then someone else would go, yes, but but in my opinion, it was this. And it's like, surely if you've got a rule book with this many rules, it should be black and white. I mean, I know, again, sporting, it's not. It's down to, down to um, kind of perceptions at the time. But it blew my mind as to how much a, like personal opinion came into play and it was kind of like they had to just become a jury at the end and then go well our you know the majority decision is this but no wonder it takes so long yeah that's true right yeah because when you've got a room I mean and this was I mean this was a room of like 250 people so yes there were more opinions being thrown about but it was like incredible how they would kind of you know when they even when they were interviewing say like um they were interviewing like the, t- the team manager or whoever was playing the team manager. And it was just going, and again, it was a bit of fun at the time, but it, it was just, I was sat there and just thinking, how does anyone make a decision when everyone's chirping up and going? And obviously, you know, when they have situations where team managers or drivers get called before the stewards and they have to kind of defend their actions and that's fully courtroom drama. I mean, I would love a camera in there when they're deciding that. That would be great TV, but... So when they're kind of putting against their defence, they then have to take the defence into consideration. And it's just like, I don't know any other sport that is that complicated. It was quite funny because I think it was it Alex Albon and Carlos Sainz had an incident in qualifying where Sainz blocked Albon. Yes. And apparently afterwards, Albon was cool about it and fine. I think think it was this incident. Um, Sorry if I'm getting the, the two drivers wrong that were explaining it. But then when they got into... It, yeah, it was definitely this, and Simon was explaining it on the Saturday afterwards. And they went in to see the stewards. They had to go and say their piece. And it went from Albon being like, yeah, I got through, and it happens, and, you know, yeah, Simon apologised. It's like, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? To Then when you stood in front of the stewards, completely different 
uh, sort of explanation comes out because the team that Toro Rosso want a penalty for for science because it could help them go further up the grid. So they're saying, you know, oh, this is really costly or it was dangerous. And, and what they say in front of the stewards is different. So like you said, it's kind of like you just make your legal case rather than what you actually would that, that admit That leads to. Me into my three-word ratio view quite, uh, quite well. Oh, Chris, you're learning the flow yeah. here. Except Most... when I've ruined continuity, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no one needs to know that. Yeah, so my three-word ratio view is stop the snitching. Ooh. And for me... Kind of echoing Vettel's press conference a little bit, which I'll, I'll appreciate is a little bit ironic because he's done it himself. Uh, yeah. There's no denying that he's Charlie. not. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's done it. Um, by the way, I thought he was almost going to say he was retiring the way he was doing this speech. There was one point where I was like, is he just about to announce he's retiring when he was doing this thing about Don't how he's, fallen, the rumor, how he's fallen out of I love with we put F1. that one to bed do you know what I mean I was like oh wow but um yeah for me I personally I don't like this complaining on the radio that it's become again I hate I hate to keep bringing it back to other sports because it is a different sport but it reminds me in football when people surround the referee and they go oh look what he did and it's influencing them I I personally didn't like that Toto saw the incident he puts his hands in the air and then his first immediate reaction is to press a button and get him a penalty yeah Grosjean got the inside but Lewis came on the radio first and said get on on to race control and he was like we're on to it yeah they'd already done it it's instant and it's just throwing people under a bus and then obviously you get them on social media saying oh what a great sport Lewis is getting him on the podium <laughs> after they've thrown him under a bus. <laughs> the, yeah. the PR they're, sharing, they're sharing the podium together. Great respect between the two champions, but also we kind of dobbed said, him in. Dobbed him in. Yeah. Yeah. To, to be fair to Lewis, he actually said after the race that he'd have done the exact same move. Of course he would. If, if, yeah. if he'd made that mistake, he said that's just what you do. And in, Vettel in would have been on the radio and said, yeah, exactly race that. control, that's yeah. racing, right? Yeah, that's, that's how it's, and it... But it just should be that they both complain and they're told, get on with it. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Right, we can end the podcast there. That's <laughs> yeah, it. That's the end of it. But I think one of the people that you're going to bring up um, is, uh, so one of the one of the fans sent in the, uh, this question, at T-S-N-O-S underscore T. I love these handles, by the way. Can you please make them a little bit more complicated? Because I love reading them out. Um, why does Grosjean always protest fair overtakes? We kind of touched on it a little bad. bit before, but... That, yeah, I think that's, it, that annoys that's when me a it's lot. annoying, right? There's no, there's no driver I dislike in F1, but Grosjean tests me sometimes <laughs> because I'm like, please stop complaining. I even tweeted it from the WTF1 account. I think I said something like, Grosjean team radio in three, two, one. And sure enough, instantly, there it was. There it was. Get on he the radio, complain. It's, it's so bad. I, you know, I'm sure everyone does it, but it's just disappointing yeah the one thing i'll give them maybe a bit of leeway for is if you're in the car and you only get that one incident that one moment and if he, you know if you're caught him by surprise if he wasn't expecting it there's a bit of contact and then straight away he's gonna he wonders how bad it maybe looked probably some embarrassment that he'd been caught out himself and then he goes straight to the team and says that seemed unfair if you yeah. then asked it if you then showed him the footage from off board or let, or let him have two more looks at it and then said do you still want to say that's a penalty he probably wouldn't say I the mean, same I thing. can't remember the exact incident but I feel like there was a moment where maybe three or four races ago Sky oh it might have been um, was it Leclerc overtook Grosjean in Monaco yeah and, uh, the, clean, the clean move yeah, that was his so. clean move wasn't it yeah. yeah and they were actually interviewing Gunther Steiner at the time 
And they said, what do you think to that? Because Grosjean had come on the radio and complained. And he was like, no, it's fine. Should, he should just be getting on with it. So even his yeah. own team principal is he, saying, stop complaining. He should yeah. manage every team. I, like, yeah. his, his team management and his driver management is just... When he came on the radio after Magnussen was mouthing on, I actually stood up and applauded. It's like, thank God someone is telling these people. I mean, you know, they're under a lot of pressure. They are driving around at over 200 miles an hour and almost crashing into each other. And he obviously wasn't having a very good time. And, you know, if, if we any of us were in that situation, maybe we'd do the High exact same thing. High pressure and stress, yeah. But thank God someone is on top of it and just going, shut up and get on with it. And I, I often... It was like a child, wasn't it? It was like a parent. Oh, yeah, 100%. He's like, well, we, we're, not, we're not really enjoying this either, Kevin. Yeah. So, you know, and you it's all your the fault. Car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just surprised he didn't swear in his radio message because yeah, yeah, he, he does like to make sure the message gets through. I think that showed how just despondent they all were at that point. He couldn't even bring himself to swear. But Steiner's one, the whole Netflix thing that made him huge. And now, now I actually think he quite enjoys the fact that he can be like that. Maybe he even like was worrying for a bit that, or maybe I'll go a bit far sometimes. And he's realised no people respect people it, that, but the drivers yeah. do too. I mean, if, to be fair, how he has a relationship with Grosjean still, I know after some of that stuff. But oh, he's yeah. he's re- they get on really well because, or they appear to, um, because Grosjean has been delivering better than he was this time last year, and yeah. the, it's the car that's the problem or the tyres that's the problem. So. Um, Stein is just so matter of fact he's like yeah the drivers aren't our problem right now it's the car but then if if the team knows the car's a problem he just goes to the driver and goes yeah we know shut up so yeah it's, oh, uh, it's was great, wasn't it, it is refreshing it's funny it de- definitely was I th- sometimes I think maybe he just needs to go into like places like Ferrari and kind of give him a bit of a he could be the steward he could the be the steward, steward. He, would, he just won yeah just the, just the one just he the just steward. says the one to lead them all yeah well, there we go. Let's let's get it. FIA, yeah. if you're watching, we vote Gunter Steiner should be the one. But he needs a direct radio line to every driver so he can explain. Yeah. Shut up and stop moaning. Get on with the <laughs> race. Be yeah. perfect. I that would that. be it. That would be amazing. I'd love that. I love that. Well, let's let's keep let's keep talking We've about other. Exactly. You said is there a fix? We found, <laughs> we fixed we found it. it. We've there done we go. It. Twenty minutes. Again. Now we can end the podcast. Yeah. Um, sp- speaking of other drivers not involved in kind of any race control controversy um eight at ht Ryogi. see they're getting better what do you guys think about the renault performance is this the breakthrough they want or do they still have a long way to go it's funny you say no controversy there well yeah because ricardo got a bit of a few questions on him for his defense against bottas oh but Good and, that- and bottas himself said yeah i thought it was borderline but then he's like but i like hard racing so i didn't complain that's Which interesting. I was like, respect to Bottas, because it, it was costing him at the time. And That's even funny, afterwards, he could... Because not long before this, me and uh, Dan are to having a chat and we're saying that probably without kind of going, oh, if it was someone else, but Magnussen or Verstappen that have got that reputation, yeah, that might have been brought up a bit more that that was some questionable sort of car positioning. Yeah, I totally like. agree. And, and I think the fact it was on Bottas who mm. wasn't very vocal and wasn't someone to immediately get on the radio and complain. And but didn't get a penalty for pushing him off either, did he? Nope. And it, and it was, wasn't even looked at. No. No. So it was, uh, but it was the fact that, so Bottas said that what Daniel was doing was waiting for him to move and then moving so that it would break his momentum. But you, you can't make no, two you moves. Can't. No, you can't. So it was, you could see an argument there, but this is why people complain about inconsistency exactly. and things like that. And again, actually, like you said, when it's not, crucial to the very front of the race and who yeah. wins it somehow doesn't seem to come under the same Do, scrutiny it's a midfield car it doesn't matter that seems to be the uh... almost yeah yeah but Bottas is a title contender <laughs> good joke and I said that 
So fastest yeah. lap could be crucial. Oh. Um, get well, enough of actually, while we're on fastest lap, I did have a, a, another question for you. Um, what, what's your opinion on fastest lap? Because for me, it looked quite fun in Melbourne, and now it seems to be the token point for the last that almost the the person that's the worst of the top teams get a free point and personally I think it's become a bit farcical kind of I think no, I'm alright with it still because it's it's better than nothing I think in that sense at least someone goes out and does something plus if you bring in that if it was always the driver in sixth if you bring them in each time then you know one of these days a pit stop's going to go wrong and someone's going to get something wrong or someone might make a mistake going after that fastest lap but I think the clerk was also asked to come in and decided not to or said he didn't want to because he thought he might get to the top two but if he'd been brought in then you've got two guys going for it and they've you know they've got to take a bit of risk if they're going to do that um head-to-head shootout for the fastest lap at the end of the race would be pretty entertaining yeah it's just and certain races when it was really done and dusted and pretty dull which is like melbourne really kind of was yeah then it, it does spice things up a little it's just i think it's better than not having it and and i also do think that it you know, drivers do go for it anyway or used to want to yeah. and it was more frustrating hearing a team sort of engineer go you know you're never getting the fastest lap even if the driver probably could get it just to make sure they didn't take any risks you wanted them taking that risk you yeah. want them to go for yeah. that stat yeah. so I, I don't think it's the end of the world um it, yeah it's not it's not fixed f1 but uh it's i don't think it's been a bad addition it's sometimes you get these things and you think well it's not made anything any worse so i'm yeah. all right with it yeah <laughs> quite quite boring like that yeah. You happy with that answer, Tommy? Not really, but yeah. No, Sorry, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> what was the running question that I completely dodged uh, by talking d- about the The block? question was, do you think this is their breakthrough moment? No. No. <laughs> That's pretty unanimous, <laughs> I think. Uh, it was just, a good race for them. I mean, you wouldn't have expected them to be in the mix, but they're still a long way off from where they need to be, aren't they, really? Yeah, yeah. They, they don't have consistency, if we're talking about you know, people struggling for yeah, that. because they've been not even the best of the midfield recently, no. and then suddenly they're up there out qualifying a Mercedes kind of a shock really I did, it, it was did a not big expect surprise. that and I, I think I just think that car isn't as strong all round as they were hoping it would be or, or it was last year so I, yeah. th- I think there's going to be more circuits that they are scratching their heads at than they're doing performances like that but it was a good you know they did execute it well they did well yeah absolutely although Hulkenberg was saying that he was very upset about the team order that was given that made sense, though, didn't it, really? I remember watching it in closing in, and you think... I might have tweeted it at the time. You think, don't do... So. It would be peak Renault with the way the season's gone to go, OK, we're going to let our drivers race because that's what we said they can do, and then they take each other out. So you've sometimes yeah. you've, it's sensible just to call it off at that point. Yeah. As, even though, as boring as it is. Yeah, we'll all be at home going, no, let's yeah, go exactly. for it. But it's funny, again, though, that it, we're almost guilty of that forgetting about the midfield. If that was Ferrari or Mercedes, we'd be making such a huge thing of it. Yeah. And I was like... What team order? Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's just you don't expect it in the midfield. It's I think it's, it's like, just not shown, is it? Yeah. If you're watching well, it on yeah, TV it's and it's like, oh, it's closing up, and you're like, this will be good, and then it's called off, you're unhappy. But yeah. because you never see it and you only find out afterwards, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Driver of the day. Stroll. I think I'll agree, actually. Oh. Yeah. We're in agreement. Yeah. So there we go. I mean, he did have, I mean, considering he's not made out of Q1. His qualifying is it, it is, but I, I, so I had to defend him recently because, oh. and, and I was very much on that his qualifying has been really bad. Um, and this has nothing to do with the fact that I did an interview with him in, in Montreal and he explained everything. And I was like, yeah, no, he, he was actually <laughs> in a lot of that. He just seemed really calm about it. He's like, well, you know, Sunday's when the points are, so I'm more worried about that. Yes, I'm working on it, but we'll get there. And he said, you know, but you need a car that's quick enough to get you out. 
Now, in Monaco, I think especially, he was one place behind Checo, I think, at Monaco. Maybe it's two places. The gap was one and two places in the two races before because the car's just not been good enough. So, understandably, if Perez is going through the Q3, yeah, you've got big questions being asked. But And that's kind of how it was at the start of the season. There was a much bigger gap. But that gap's actually got closer as the cars kind of got less competitive. Uh, and again, like Perez wasn't in Q3, was he in, in Canada? So no. um, I felt that I think the gap there was less, was about half a tenth between Perez and Stroll in qualifying. And Stroll had the old engine in. And the old so engine, yeah. So. I, I, I felt you couldn't really beat him with that one. And then really good performance in the race. So yeah, I, I, I feel like he gets, he does need to break, yeah, he needs to break that run. But, uh, and he clearly, that is a weakness of his, is qualifying. But I think he, sometimes it's a, it's overplayed a little. Yeah, because we've said in previous podcasts that it kind of looks like he doesn't even want to be there at some races. Like, he's very grumpy. I think um, I, s- I sent you the, I don't know if you saw this, he did a track guide for F1's official YouTube channel. On and, Montreal. And, uh, yeah, oh, if you watch gosh. it, if people go have a listen, he's like, okay. Um, and he literally is sighing as he's going around at 10-3. Um, <sighs> He, could, <laughs> he doesn't he want to does be there. Not want it, to be there. It, it, he could not be bothered. Do you think he's trying to get the Kimmy persona and just failing? Well, he's not. He's Maybe. not even Kimmy. Because <laughs> he can't he? do that. Because mm. then people give him criticism for his background and yeah. silver spoon and all that and... kind of thing. But that's the first time I've ever seen him happy in God knows how long. Probably all all season. He was delighted he was, most he was of buzzing. the weekend. Yeah. yeah, he was really pleased with himself. And to, yeah, I'd say understandably so. I thought mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a good drive. Okay, so obviously Vettel won 24% of the vote and came out as driver of the day, which doesn't surprise me, but we're going to overrule that and make Stroll. So with that in mind, what would we give Stroll in our ABCDEF1 ranking? So A star being the best. He's not A star. What What would we give Stroll? Do, I get, do you do plus or minuses in this? I was meant to check no. this. No. Just, so we have, but we, we try and stick try to, the, to the rounded letters if that's such a thing. I think a. I guess you'd have to give it an A then if yeah, you're saying it's driver of the day. Okay. So let's continue then. Uh, what would you give his teammate, Perez? That move on Grosjean was, was, was pretty good. That was, yeah, one of the few really nice overtakes in the race because everything else yeah. seemed to be basically DRS. Um, but where did he where did he finish in the end? He came quite a way down. He didn't have the greatest strategy. Twelfth out of the points. Out of the points. Probably and, a C. And it wasn't considering uh, yeah, Stroll C, yeah. got to P nine. And he had the updated power unit. Yeah, C. A C. C. Yeah, let's okay. Give him a C. Um, you likened him to Kimi Raikkonen. So what would you give the Iceman? He's. I just feel like we don't ever see him anymore. Yeah, like that, they don't, that is weird, they don't isn't it? show him on TV, and then he just never really does anything. So you're just kind of like oh, Alpha okay. Romeo. Seem almost a forgotten team at the moment. You just apart from Jovanazzi, just causing collisions and spinning, spinning. the car. Yeah. Like he, maybe Alpha. he knows that Alpha aren't getting any airtime, and he's just going yeah. right. We need to. I'll see time. about that. Yeah. Here you go, sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Drifts it into Back the it turn. In. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did hear his ready message after that was just like, "Was that good enough, guys?" And then drove on. But uh, no, was, <laughs> I totally American. believed yeah, exactly. you for a what? second. I was like, "That was not enough sarcasm in your voice just then." I can oh, totally believe you. Ninety-nine percent of what I say is sarcastic. Okay. Most of this podcast has been. Um, you guys have been serious, <laughs> but uh, I. This is WTF one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, Kimmy, I think, would probably be a C as well because it's just about. Yeah, yeah. I mean. The car isn't good, but then he didn't have a particularly good weekend either. So he's, no. yeah, he started 17th and finished 15th. And Giovinazzi out qualified him and did, finally. And, and we lost two 
two races. We got two DNFs. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, C, because he turned up. Giovinazzi for his pirouettes. Did he finish ahead of Kimmy? He did. I want to give him a B, but then he spun. Yeah, he finished. C. He finished 13th. Solid, uh, like a better race, but making mistakes still. It's a C, great. but above Kimmy's C. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, McLaren had a mixed bag. Weird Obviously, race. Lando with his very strange suspension melting situation. That was different. Uh, yeah. I felt for him actually because he'd put himself in a good spot and his start seemed to have been a problem. Yes. And, and he got his elbows out and held off Verstappen at the start. That was good fun yeah, to watch. Yeah, he was racing well. Verstappen, which yeah. fair play in a, in a McLaren. Yeah. So that, that was good. That until was... his tyre just decided, nope. Yeah, don't bother anymore. I think he went off on two consecutive corners, and and then was like, "There's something." Oh, there's definitely something. Yeah, I think I think he came. I think I've got a right puncture. (laughs) No, no, no. The entire suspension part of your car is on fire, Um, and then he just parked it very neatly. So we didn't need a safety car. God damn you. Love, oh no, I love how retro it was, though, that we just left the car there. I know. It's brilliant. Yeah. That's, we need more of that. In that, is, that we need more cars good. just littering the place. <laughs> just yeah. stick, them, stick them in view, but, you know, safe. So I kind of want to give him, and he did. He had a really good qualifying. I'd say B. A, a yeah, B? yeah, Lando did nothing. Yeah. He's a B. All right. What about his teammate? I'd actually give Carlos similar because he got screwed by strategy. Well, not strategy, but they had to bring him in. I think he had a... a Visor tear off he, he in his brake duct. Yeah, he did. Straight away, didn't he? Yeah, Very early. Three. three. And, and Pirelli, on the grid, Pirelli were like 50 laps at most on the hard. After that, you're really struggling. And he, he, was, a sick, he was a sitting duck at the end, wasn't yeah. he? He got overtaken by Strollankovic. Strollankovic in yeah. in, within three corners. Yeah. Uh, but that all happened. Yeah, one, it was late. Cause I think he still finished only two and a half seconds off the points. And if he'd have managed yeah. to drag himself into the points there, because he'd, he'd actually qualified better, honey, and then got the penalty. He had, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give him a B as well. Okay. Let's go for for, agreement. (laughs) Let's go for a team with similar kind of bad luck. Uh, Toro Rosso, Albon, obviously with the DNF. Again, it wasn't a great because I'd put them in, which we're going to touch on in a second. Um, But I thought Toro Rosso was going to finish best of the rest, and they very clearly didn't. (laughs) Um, Had a bit of a rubbish weekend the entire weekend. No, so. one, no one got blamed for turn one, did they? It was just no. a racing incident. It was uh, just Albon actually squeezing. said he thinks it was his own fault more than anything because he was too wow. tentative and left the door open for Checker. And then he said when it's three to one, the guy in the middle has to try and back out of it. Sounds, sounds like his team are going to start having words with him like, don't admit it's your fault. Yeah, exactly. We'll protest it Stop later. being he's so honest. He's such a nice yeah. guy, isn't he? Yeah. Like, he's just like, yeah, yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But okay, so Albon, what are we giving him? Give him a C if he says it's his own fault. C, yeah. A C. And Kvyat... His move into which turn was it? I had it on turn my one. Yeah. yeah. Oh my word! That good was move. like Daniel Ricciardo like, yeah, sending it like yeah, late lunch. I thought that was very good. Nice to see a non-DRS pass. Yeah, yeah they're, exactly. They're I mean, there's a little Montreal. bit of DRS, I think, isn't there? On a little straight, bit, but, but yeah. not. Yeah, right. it's, all on the it's not the back straight one yeah. where it's he, fin- he got a point. He finished tenth. I'll, g- I'll give him a B. B? Just okay. yeah, more of a C plus. Uh, well, I think with the, how, like you said, the car wasn't that competitive. Yeah. No, and I feel like again, like every time I mention them, I feel like we have to give them their own little special report card. But Williams, George Russell, George, George Russell finished a, a minute ahead of Kibitzo, didn't he? What is, yeah, yeah, I think Kibitzo did an extra it? stop, did he? And then complained that the car was turning sideways in a straight line wow. <laughs> as opposed to turning not sideways um yeah it was he, he said from very early on he was having trouble but there does seem to be quite a few 
times this season, Kubica says about the problem. And haven't they swapped the chassis now? Uh, they look to do it. Apparently, they, oh, they, yeah. yeah. they, they might have. They, but I think was it the incident in Baku stopped them doing it at least as quickly uh, as they planned okay. on. Um, I think I think George did well. I mean, he beat Magnussen on pace. Yeah, yeah. So he's doing everything he can. I'd yeah. give him a B. George is impressive. I think as impressive as you can be in a Williams. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's hard to give someone an A for where he finished, but then. And he said he made a little mistake to let Kibitza through at the start, so that's why it's a B. Okay, B. Okay, and then Kibitza. D? Well, I think, yeah, D sounds about right. Ooh, I think we've been giving him Ds even? across the board, yeah, so that's not, not good. Great. Okay, let's let's try and fly through some of these now. Uh, Haas, Grosjean. Uh, C. Yeah, C. had a bit of a nothing race. Magnussen. Yeah. Uh, F. <laughs> D. He ruined his recan. I'd, well, I'd, I'd have gone E. E. And we're not doing E's. There's no E's. Yes, there is. You a, B, C, D, E, F, Yeah, but that's just to make it flow and sound nice. There's no E's in your school grades, are there? You don't get an E. Uh, yeah, it's a D I, or an I got, F. Yeah, I got an E at school. Yeah, I think you can get an E. You get U's as well, can't yeah. you? Yeah, they go U. That was yeah. the one. Right. So Should we give him a U? U? No. I reckon, well. No, let's no, give he's him got, a, he's, he's got an E. He, he'd got himself to Q3 until he crashed. Right. And he I'm, crashed in style. I'm, yeah. I'm the chief steward and I'm giving him an F. <laughs> Um, it's Renault. this inconsistency that's going to really annoy people <laughs> <laughs> Renault uh, Daniel Ricciardo A yeah even with the questionable defending I think yeah. it's, it's just solid I mean out qualified a Mercedes that's pretty incredible yeah if you, if you stick it fourth you're allowed to defend illegally it's fine yeah. <laughs> uh, Nico Hockenberg B B yeah not as good but still really decent race yeah okay. if they'd been allowed to race it might well have beaten Daniel so Max Verstappen Again, solid Again, fifth. Finished but he, he did ahead come of Gasly. He did come out and say, "Yeah, and um, he would have there finished was a, fifth. Was it Will Buxton's stat? Was that he he's done a whole season, season now, yeah. and he's always finished above his teammate? Yeah. That's impressive. That, Canada, no Canada. other F one driver apparently has ever done that. Canada to Canada, and he has finished above his teammate. Especially if you think the amount of times Verstappen's had a grid penalty, yeah. even at the end of last year as well, where he started 17th, 18th, yeah. to still finish ahead of your teammate, it's pretty Insane. Mega. And if you think of where he was 12 months ago, yeah, would exactly. you ever have put money on yeah. doing that? Just um, relentless consistency. Maybe even an A. Yeah. Like we've given him A's seem, in seemingly every race. He's just not really doing anything. But wrong. it's one of those where could he have done any more? No, not probably really. not. He no. said yeah. if he'd have started P5, he'd have ended P5. Yeah. He just didn't have sure the pace. I agree with, but... yeah. So we're giving him an A? Yeah. Okay. The curious case of Pierre Gasly. Oh, terrible. See, I'm, now I'm going to defend him a little bit. Really? Aww. Because, so qualifying wasn't great, clearly. But he was in Q3 and they went for weird, like, strategy. He yeah. was sent out on his that own and it just didn't seem yeah. to work. Um, and in the race... Red Bull got it wrong, not him. Because they tried to pull him in early to undercut Ricardo and stuck and got him stuck behind Stroll and it dropped him further back. So I feel like I'm gonna give him a C because he didn't do anything special to get out of that trouble, but I feel like Red Bull put him in it. Yeah. I mean he could have overtaken. Like you feel he, he should have got past, do you think? Well he's he's said that as soon as he got close to I think Stroll who he needed yeah. to get past, that everything was overheating. Okay. And Merck said the same about Bottas from like lap four or five, they had to like back him off that's why he didn't go carving through everyone because of overheating it was hot but, yeah. and again you can blame the team you can blame the driver for not calling things well enough it's kind of a combination which is why yeah, I just kind of like sees like a meh he looked pretty beaten up after it didn't he he yeah. looks not in a good state at the moment no he needs to he needs to he to needs a out. good result that was, that was his chance as well starting ahead of Verstappen on the road 
Yeah. That was his chance. And I think he lost out to Hulkenberg at the start as well. Yeah, yeah I believe so. I think so, he dropped yeah. a couple of places, or at least or was one that place. Said, yeah, no, way. Bottas lost to Hulkenberg no, at the start. Yeah. yeah, but there we go. Okay, um, Charles Leclerc turned up, did his job, came home P3. Consistent, but not anything special. To say that he's massively hyped, you thought he would maybe beat Vettel. Like, people are saying that he's so much better than Vettel and all this, but... He can't get Q3 right, can he? can't get Q3 right. I think he's just not used to getting to Q3 and having to go better. It used to be getting to Q3 was the big one, and and then that was it. And now he has to step up a level at Q3, and he's not quite doing that. He stopped giving his best in Q2. Shout out to Ferrari for forgetting to tell him and almost that you could come he almost finished second i yeah. think though could you imagine if he'd have could you imagine Vettel's reaction yeah yeah and then gone, that was why probably, did that was probably driver management. we forgot Ooh. yeah that would have been even worse if they'd have yeah. forgotten and he'd, and he'd got it done but then if they'd have told him and he'd done it himself it would have caused him even more headaches exactly and they yeah. don't need any more headaches so maybe that was like purposefully managed like they should we talked about it afterwards though they should have dropped or tried to get seb to drop back to, to back Lewis up to Charles because they had nothing to lose. If, oh, yeah. if yeah, Lewis was going to end up yeah. ahead anyway, yeah, whether he passed you on the road or not, you might as well take a risk to do that. And, th- and then you might say to Charles, okay, like stay five seconds behind Seb so he still finishes second. Yeah, like Hamilton in Abu Dhabi in 2016, literally <laughs> parking yeah. on every apex. That yeah. would have been really good to watch. <laughs> I didn't would even think about that. That would have been great. And I think, I think Vettel would have been on board for it because it would have been Ferrari getting justice <laughs> yeah. rather yeah. than... Do you want to like scream two, Mercedes? Two fingers yeah, exactly. Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously it would have still been... We know you've just had the race taken away from you, but we're going to try and give it to Charles now. That would be a difficult yeah. message to send, but I, it would have been entertaining. And then they could have even told him drop back five seconds on yeah. the last lap. Yeah, exactly. Done. So. Done. Right, okay. We need to be in charge. So yeah. what, are we, what are we giving the two of them then? C for Leclerc, B for Vettel, just because he made a mistake. I know people gave him drive of the day, but I feel like that was a bit slight of a a protest. Yeah, that was a pity vote. That was for stuff that happened that wasn't driving, like swapping the balls around and having a nice tantrum, which was was justified. But people, and I think rightly so, people came out and said, imagine if if Hamilton had done that. Yeah. There would have been outcry. He would have been slammed for doing that. But I think because maybe, because, you know, Vettel's the, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Vettel's the underdog. Yeah that people will want to see them getting like upset and, and see that kind of, you know, fight for justice in small Yeah, people, love, people love the underdog story, don't they? I mean, yeah. how people were... It's funny that when Vettel was dominating, everyone was like, well, if Hamilton got the best car, he'd, he'd yeah, exactly. wipe the floor with everyone and now it's, it's f- happening. You go, well, it's just the Mercedes that's the best car. People love to... Yeah. You know, I mean, this is something that I tweeted. I don't think I ever got an answer. I don't know if you know, Chris, but what happens if a driver doesn't go to the podium? Is it a massive fine? Yeah, I think it'd be a huge fine. Um, we would look Not to put this. you on the it, spot. It's in, there's a lot of things that they have to do. That Let me just check Article 32A. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Now, now you mention it. Now I can recall it. There's, there's a bunch where actually it just gets reported to the stewards, funnily really? enough. Yeah, yeah. Because I think one of them is if they miss... It definitely is. If they miss one of the press conferences. Yeah. If, they have, if they're meant to be in a press conference, either top three or if they were called to it Thursday or Friday and they don't show having said they were going to be there, then it gets reported to the stewards. They have to have a sick night, don't they? If they're not well. They have to have well. reason, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, have to, and, um, they, have to, they, have to, they have to get their doctor or mummy or daddy to go, sorry, he wasn't feeling very well. Or, or special dispensation from the FIA. They have yeah. to agree. Like, which grief, was like grief or... Well, yeah, the Monaco one. So Lewis should have been yeah. in that and, and didn't because of Nicky Lauda and the FIA were like, yeah, okay. But technically, if they could have 
still actually reported that to the stewards and then said, you know, we're taking no action, but that just would have looked stupid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it does. It sometimes gets reported. So it might actually have been reported, but it would have been, yeah, uh, some sort of massive fine and probably some lovely community service, which Seb's familiar with <laughs> for oh, the yeah, way he deals course, with yeah. stewards. Yeah. <laughs> probably didn't help his cause. No, exactly. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe you'd have to go to that stewarding seminar. Do you know? Because so Max was there. That, that was the one I was in. Seb was meant oh, to be yeah, there. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he Skyped in. He Skyped in. He was on in. a big screen. Wow. No. Skyped in. Yeah. Don't let, I wonder if Max knows that because Max was there. To be fair, he, he contributed for like everything fully. He, it was quite funny to watch him just sat there just on, you know, with his laptop on his lap or on his on the coffee big table. And he's just, yeah. And he's just like watching with his like headphones in, just kind of frowning every now and then. And then every now and then just like looking around out the window or something and then being called back in. But he was, he was pretty proactive to be fair. Okay. But he didn't travel. So wow. it didn't take too much effort, did it? Okay. What are we giving Mr. Bottas? Again, F. really rubbish weekend. He cannot, I mean, he said, he said this himself. If he's looking to win the title, he can't have weekends like that. And, and this, is, this is what yeah. I keep saying about, like, this is the difference between someone who is capable of winning the championship, which Bottas is in principle, and someone like a Vettel or a Leclerc or a Hamilton, where they are just that next, that next level of racer, where, yeah, okay, they make mistakes. Vettel made plenty of them last year, but he's also a four-time world champion. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't put the clerk up there yet. Uh, okay, no. yeah, I think Verstappen, he's, he's had. He's, Hamilton, yeah, I think Verstappen, you would at the moment. The the world champions yeah. then. Yeah, you know they're world champions for a reason. They're multiple world champions for a reason, uh, other than the fact they've been in the best car when they've won them. Yeah, you, you kind of have the the ones that you talk about as the greats or yeah. w- within that discussion, world class drivers, and then you have excellent drivers, but they're not quite. World I thought you were going to say, and then you have Bottas. Bottas. <laughs> I was like, whoa, savage. <laughs> Sorry, uh, do you want to take my seat? Because that's <laughs> yeah. usually what I say. No, you've got to you've got to give him a pretty poor Scott. I mean, he messed up his first running qualifying. Yep. Uh, for this is in Q three. Yeah. Uh, then his lap wasn't even good enough to beat a Renault. Then he got overtaken by Hulkenberg and couldn't get past till the pit stops. I, I was going to say, but from there he was kind of like just sat and just yeah, he coasted. And then he, as you said, he had the overheating problem, so he couldn't really push. And he did get Ricardo in the end, and he didn't complain about that. Yeah, but so I still I, think I'd he's pretty give poor. him a D. Yeah, I think D's fair. He, still, he didn't quite yeah, fail. In, in a race where he had, like, yeah, he did have a pretty poor weekend, he still just kind of brought it home in fourth, which was... I guess he didn't bin it in the wall. He wasn't going to be any higher than third, was he, when... But by the end of Saturday, there was no way he was going to be any higher than third. And that yeah, was a push true. to try and catch the clerk, so... yeah disappointing when you can have such a poor weekend and you go oh well i'll be fourth so it's fine yeah but this is what and and again like not to not to keep botash bashing as everyone says but you're in a mercedes yeah exactly he needs to be hamilton's winning the races and you're getting out qualified by a renault this is this is the worry because you know we said it in the last podcast short there's no way ferrari are going to be in the title now. I think even Vettel himself yeah, exactly, said yeah. it's not about the title, They're it's gone. over. They're gone. Okay. We, we're relying on Bottas. And I think it's because we've seen him do it in a few races yeah, this year where, exactly. he's, where he has stepped up. And you're like, you mean great. Bottas, you mean Bottas 2.0? 2.0. And then when he reverts to 1.0, you're just like, oh, who's loaded the wrong not, version? I guess it was 0.5 in that race. So yeah. Yeah. If Ooh. That. yeah. Ooh. It's all on the porridge, isn't it, apparently? So. And the beard. Yeah. Forgot the porridge. That's true. Um, right. Finally, because we have to move on because we're, we're, we're running out of time. Lewis Hamilton, what are we giving him? B. Uh, I, uh, uh, I, might give, I might give him an A. Uh, 
I think I'm going to have to sign for Chris. And now we've all got to talk like this. Well, I say he, if he'd have got passed on track, but then he didn't need to at the end, so I'm outnumbered. And he looked there. like he was gonna. Oh, do I get to overruled? Y- yeah, yeah go, go on. on. Overruled. <laughs> right, okay. Now let's, let's quickly look back at the predictions that um, we had. Unfortunately, you didn't give us any predictions, Chris, because you weren't our guest, but we're just going to look through, back through you can be what Matty. we predicted. Oh, no, yeah, you can have Matty's one. No, Matty. No, he, got, he got two full points. So what? Yeah, Did he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well done, me. Um, <laughs> so, Tommy, you said Verstappen all o'clock will hit the World of Champions during the weekend, and Which there'll be did. jokes about them being future champions. Which happened. They did. Yeah. Um, there was a BBC made the joke, apparently, on their audio coverage of qualifying that, oh, it's the wall of future champions, so... Full point. Ah, good one. Uh, we predicted your joke. Um, yeah. Stro- you also predicted that Stroll would be out in Q1. Yeah, I wanted an easy point and I got it. Yeah. No shame. <laughs> I said Bottas would out-qualify Hamilton. Absolutely slightly off. not. Just slightly off. Just slightly. And I also said, as I touched on before, Toro Rosso finishes best of the rest. And that definitely nope. didn't happen either. So that's, Bad that's, week for you. that's mm. no points for me. And then Matty said Ferrari will be outright quickest car. Now, yes, I, yes, I did. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but what, what I said and, this and Vettel was on pole, so if I'm defending myself, yeah, that's yeah. what I'd say. Is that how we're going to judge it? Yeah, I think quality pace. But then um, that's outright raw pace, isn't it? Yeah, how quick yeah. is the car at its fastest in qualifying? Yeah, so yeah, that's fair. But the track record was beaten during the race. Yeah, but that doesn't count because yeah, it's but the that token still wasn't quicker point. than the qualifying lap. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well done, Matt. Okay. Well done, Matt. And then you, he also predicted that, or oh, you also predicted that Gasly would out-qualify Verstappen and it actually happened. Well, I, I mean... That. I just well, knew it. Right. Just, you know um, when you get a feeling yeah. sometimes? I was just like, that's going to be what it is. Um, so our fans predicted um, at Mimi Dimon, huge carnish in the first lap. Half point. It would, not it's huge. not carnage. We lost, we lost carnage, a front wing. carnage, but not huge. So no, t- tiny, that was minimal carnage. Little fragment yeah, that yeah. Grosjean had to like yeah. punch out. That Just was great. Drop it out of the uh, halo. That was good. Actually, that was okay. cool. Well, well done, Let's Grosjean. That was cool. And then when he did his mirror signal re- manoeuvre and he came back onto the track, <laughs> so I was did. waiting for everyone. He was like, uh, I'm turning this way. Just... But did, didn't he just slide back into position? I'm no, sure. I think he was last when he came yeah. back on. Was he? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. My bad. At Ginny Bean says the seagulls make a return. They did not, but the groundhogs did. They yeah, did. should have gone with on that. On multiple occasions. They did. Oh, did anyone see the F1 video when it was Latifi dodging a groundhog in, yes. uh, in, yeah. in FP1? And they, they titled it Latifi and the Groundhog. And I feel this joke didn't get enough respect at the time, but I said it sounds like an awful indie band name. Latifi and the Groundhog. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. It does. Thank you. Right, to front cover of NME. my second go with that joke. Oh, the best jokes always take two, don't they? Guys? At Nova <laughs> underscore Puggy, Williams win the raft race. It didn't happen. So. Yeah. Is that because it was organised by Charlie usually? No, no, it was organised by Red Bull, I was told. Okay. And it was just that, you know, the burden on them every time to do it, sort all the equipment and stuff. And oh. I think they just said, oh, that's other people chip in this time and no one did, so. That's such a shame. Come on, team. Okay. That, that was, yeah, that was a real disappointment because Saturday night was always a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. Shame they didn't do I it. did see a lot of people getting thrown into the lake, though. Oh, lots, yeah. Um, I think there was a Williams guy that got thrown in three times. Does wow. he just love swimming? Got, well, no, he he, I think he was leaving, so they threw him caught. in. But they took his shoes off first, because they're like, you know, we won't get your shoes wet. Well, that's and then, team kit. And then like. as he got, went to get back out, they threw one shoe in, so he went after that, and then they threw the other one in. Oh, okay. So he had three goes. Lovely. Uh, Car- Carlos Sainz's trainer went in. Just his trainer. Just no, 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 just his, his, his physio. <laughs> just one. It's still there, just floating. Uh, Lando went in at the end of the race yeah I saw that yeah. nice yeah. along with his race engineer because his race engineer tried to push him in first and they were like you're not getting away with that uh oh yeah a lot of people went in it's not a nice place to go 
Really? No, people got ill last year after the uh, rough race. Did they? Because yeah. it, it look, on TV, it looks like quite pleasant. No. no. Okay. Not particularly good. I'll, uh, if I ever get to go to Canada, I'll be sure to avoid that. Yeah. Um, okay. So predictions for France, Chris. Uh, Can you remember? Yes. <laughs> um, I have. I have no one of them. People. One of them was there'll be a Renault DNF, so we get close-ups of some very unhappy bosses. And I can't wait if that does happen. That's, I, that's I a love good a good close-up yeah. on a, someone that's trying to like maintain. Yeah. composure but it's clearly seething underneath stress level I'm kind of thinking we're going to get that from some of the Renault execs and then you're just going to have a people just going like oh. yeah because it's as much I think Ricardo said like we need to not put pressure on it being the French Grand Prix and just deal with it as a normal race weekend but there's no way it'll get like that this is Renault's it's a big big race for Renault they take over that that venue so yeah I can see that happening mm. um, mainly because they had a good weekend last time and yeah. it's been so inconsistent yeah. Bet, betting is that it'll go the other way and your other prediction? Uh, that traffic will still be a massive problem and loads of people complain because... That was so bad last year. It was awful it? last year and they didn't find a way of fixing it. And then they now are going to have ways, but like specifically set up to help people in and out apparently. And but I'm sure it'll be better. Any, aren't there only two routes in or one route much. in? Pretty much. And they're tiny roads. Like it's just, you just can't feasibly do it. And there, there no. is a bit where fans now, I think, uh, are aware of it and they find other ways in, in terms of using the buses or whatever, or they just admit, okay, we can't leave quickly after the race or we have to go in really early. And sometimes you just do that. I mean, you hear stories about the Indy 500, people are leaving at 5am and they have to shut yes. the roads to let media and drivers in and, yeah. then, and then carry on people getting in. Spa, um, when I went, when did I go Spa? 2015? As a, as a punter, I camped and everything. We were queuing up to get into the track at half five. Yeah, exactly. And, it's the old school and, that, venues, yeah. and, that, and that's the camping on the circuit, like literally next door to the circuit. We were at um, Le Com and... Like you would, you would be queuing. I mean, they're hardcore at Spa. I was, well, I was about to say that that campsite is where all the Verstappen fans are, isn't it? So if you oh, were you yes. not were you not just going in because you couldn't get any sleep? Well, I had actually, and I was the only one. I'd gone with my brother and my cousin, and I was the only one who took earplugs. And I don't know what I I didn't know what it was going to be like. I'd never been to Spa before. No one had told me I needed earplugs, but I just bought them because I was camping, and I was like, well, maybe I'll need them. Oh my word! What I was the only one that got sleep. Good Dutch, the, like playing their like Euro techno. I was gonna say, so you missed out. I, yeah, I did, <laughs> like, I did, and also setting off fireworks until like three a.m. Yeah, so. Zandvoort is gonna be ridiculous. Yeah, that's gonna be great. That's gonna be good. Having all the uh, like pre-sale tickets, I think one point five million people or something. They've got. I think they sent an email out today. I think you're yeah. four more days to register, and then it's like ballot. And but they're ballots like, yeah, we've because got they've millions. filled it. Incredible. Millions, I mean, good. Know. I'm glad at least one circuit's got that kind of. Yeah, why not? Attention. They like it in Austria as well. They like yeah. a little road yeah, trip yeah, down yeah. to there, which is good fun. So Okay, so we'll see. But I think that's a, that's a pretty easy prediction. Yeah, well, I wanted Chris. a point as well. Yeah, yeah that's pretty low, low. Tommy? Uh, Hamilton's going to win the race, but he's going to win it by 20 seconds at least for the nearest non-Mercedes. I, I had so much respect until you said the word at least. And then I thought you were going for the exact, oh, the exact figure. <laughs> I was like, this is a 20.932. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah, so unfortunately, I think that, I think Mercedes is just going to absolutely wipe the floor with everyone in that. In yeah. poor Ricard, I cannot see it benefiting anyone but them. We can all hope. We can all dream. Dream. Maybe they'll get a double DNF. Who knows? Uh, and my other prediction is there'll be some witty fan banners about the five-second penalty. And they'll start doing the rounds on Twitter. And obviously, they won't get shown on the world feed because they won't want to be shown embarrassing you know, themselves. But there'll be a lot of banners go, doing the rounds on Twitter, I 100%. feel. 100%. And I love a good fan banner because they're always 
Do you remember the one at Silverstone that was something like Nico Nico turn turn right? right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because that was after Austria where he'd like pushed Hamilton off the... That's good. I'm going to go and search for the fan banners now. That's going to be my mission in Boric. If you you post them, we'll retweet retweet you. Yeah, Yeah, but that, that does actually... I mean, having to like walk out and find things out of the you know media Be, center, out the, of the paddock, you know, know where the real people are. Not even the, not the, the real not even out the paddock, fans. just away from my chair. Oh, right, everything just comes. To, no, nothing. Um, there's not actually a huge amount of fans that can get in there. There's no. quite low capacity, so hmm. there might be some, might be slim pickings. There might be some fan banners in the queue waiting. The way to yeah, yeah. yeah, in the back of cars. That's yeah. what we need to look out for. Yeah. But otherwise, I'll still check it out in Austria because I reckon that's where you'll get plenty. Okay, nice. All right, we'll hold you to it. So my predictions are everyone's going to get overly touchy about penalties. Yeah, I mean, definitely, that, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. Leaving that super vague. The commentators, easy, point. every single. And thing. another yeah. one. I mean, I feel like I've just been a bit of a letdown, but I've just, I've literally just written gorilla statues. That's it. That's my prediction. Nice. There will be, there will Go be gorillas. Um, do title the podcast because it could just be gorilla statues. Gorillas, yeah. <laughs> gorilla think, statues? Question mark. So instead of Canadian Grand Prix review, it should just be gorilla statues. It's going to be great for SEO. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Perfect. That's yeah. good. Um, okay, fan fan predictions before we wrap this up. Um, at Diogo Magawi, half the field goes through the runoff area at the start. Again, that's, that's a pretty yeah. pretty yeah. safe safe bet. And at Ie Girari, Ricardo on the podium. That's bold. Oh. So that means Hulkenberg's got to DNF for, for your prediction to come true um, and for this prediction to come true. I mean, who was it? What was the name of the... At IE Girari. I just need to remember that because if this comes true, I'm going to that guy for my lottery numbers. There's no... <laughs> I just can't see that running. No. Near We've got very optimistic fans. We just want some, a bit of change, don't we, at the top? Yeah. Um, at Sir Plazasta. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Uh, double points finish for racing point. Another bold claim. That's another bold claim. They're not really showing too much in the way of being able to do that. But hey, who knows? You never know. The midfield keeps changing, doesn't it? Race that, to race. That so. turn one, maybe, if you do get the half the field go off. If half of them get taken out. They take the, set, they take right. the shortcut through and then yeah. all of a sudden yeah. they're... There's a few P9 unsafe rejoins. Well, I was about to say, now if we're going to get this like whole penalty thing, if all the drivers are going to be like ultra careful because, oh my They're not, penalty. though, are they? Really hope not. But they've been a bit too sensible this season so far. Probably because they're scared that you get a penalty if yeah, you get exactly. off track. So now this is like, take some risks. Well, let's yeah. hope not. But that's it. We're done. We've got, we managed to get to the end. Yeah. I feel like that was a bit of a marathon one, but I, th- I feel like we needed to, we needed to dive into We say it was delayed. We actually started this on Monday and it's now Friday. <laughs> <We're still laughs> yeah, exactly. Chris has been here for days. That's what I meant about continuity. It's been really hard <laughs> to wear the same clothes day in, day out. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I wasn't going to mention anything, but the smell's pretty bad. Ah, thanks. But I'm, I am going to say thank you. Because, yeah, I was about to say after abusing yeah. for being, how I yeah. for being our guest because you rearranged a game of top golf to come on. I, well, yeah, it never happened. Oh wow! Aww. Yeah. I know, sad face. Okay, well then you didn't rearrange anything, so you're welcome. Well, no, I completely lost it. <laughs> the sacrifices that I make. Oh, there we go. Well, yeah. thanks. Yeah, thanks, thanks very much. Thanks, right. thanks to Chris. Um, real good insight. I will. I will give you that. And thanks to everyone. <laughs> no, I'll rest you again. <laughs> <laughs> Would you? Quit interrupting me. Sorry, I'm trying sorry. to end this Go podcast. On, finish. Done. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. Uh, make sure you let us know what you think of the stewards' decision in Canada in the comments on YouTube or by tweeting us using the hashtag WTF1Podcast. Um, and also be sure to leave us a review on any audio platform that you're listening to this podcast on because it helps us out a lot. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next time. After Gorilla Statues. After Gorilla after Statues. Statues, yeah. All right. Thanks ever so much. See you next time. Bye.
Bye. Bye. Bye. I was like, am I going to say bye now? Everyone says bye. <laughs>